Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast. It's season four, episode 16, and we have such a treat for you today. I am joined in the studio today by Nancy, and Nancy is our self-proclaimed 40-year-old puppy virgin, which, of course, immediately caught our attention here at McCann Dogs. So welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Absolutely a pleasure, and I can't wait to dive into today. So um, you are the self-proclaimed 40-year puppy virgin year old puppy virgin which makes me believe of course that you have wanted a puppy all your life and not been able to get one and of course I have some insider information that that's the <laughs> truth as well so tell me a little tell us a little bit about your desire to get a puppy um yeah no I have wanted a dog I think since I could walk since I could talk and uh, I was always told no okay and as I got older the reasons changed okay so you know, it was always, oh, we're allergic, we're allergic, we're allergic. And that was from your parents? That was from mom and dad. Okay. Yeah, I was always, we're allergic, we're allergic. And I was like, okay, whatever, they're allergic. But then I started to test them. I was like, okay, <laughs> so can I have a hamster? Uh, no, we're allergic to anything with fur. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, okay, can I have a fish? Fish don't have fur. They don't have fur. Come on, mom and dad. I was like, come on, let's let's do this. I'm compromising. And you can like, do. They were like, nah, fish stink. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, can I have a lizard? No, they give us the creeps. And I'm like, mm. what's left? Yeah, I know, right? So ultimately, pups, like any kind of pet, was just like a no go. Oh no. Um, you know, mom really liked a good clean house, and so I feel like that was probably more it and you know as kids are they get excited and they love the you know pets but mom and dad tend to take care of them so yes but yeah I mean I could never get away from this love of dogs um my godfather had dogs all the time and I just like loved them so much and I was that kid that would go into the pet store (laughs) and my and come out four hours later (laughs) yeah I would come out four hours later but only because dad had to drag me out but then he'd have to console me because I was crying I was like daddy like they just need homes and they just need to be loved and like and that didn't sway him no (laughs) my goodness like come on where's your compassion Heartless, heartless. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I think I just kind of had to settle into the puppy ant role, which, yeah, I love. I love so much. So I've got a lot of puppies in my life. Okay, and, lovely. And as, you know, easily distracted by dogs, 100%. I'm, you know, I will go yard sailing with my daddy, but only because I want to see all the dogs that are out and about, like, I could be mid-conversation with somebody and a dog shows up and I'm like, ooh, (laughs) it's a puppy. It's a puppy. Like, yeah, I just, I love them so much. They're just so pure and lovely and yeah. That is a fact. They are wonderful. They're such honest creatures. Mm. They're easy to get along with in most cases and just a joy Mm -hmm. to add to your life. So I am so glad that you are finally breaking this streak of not having a puppy in your life, Nancy. It's going to be an incredible journey for you. It is 
so rewarding and so reinforcing to have a dog. And actually, as you were speaking, I've been thinking of my own childhood and I did get to have the hamsters and I had pet rats as well, which were, they were amazing pets. Amazing. And in hindsight, I wish I had known more about training when Mm. I was younger because they're extremely, extremely gregarious, extremely easy to train. Mm. You know, I could have gotten to know them on such a different level, I suspect, but I also was not allowed to have a dog. My mom had a very old cat who, of course, hated us kids because, you know, cats old like cats, don't mm-hmm. te- I don't blame them, don't mm-hmm. tend to like young kids, which is understandable. But that meant that um, we didn't get to have the dog until mm-hmm. we were much older. My father was actually... Um, He had some health problems. He had to retire early and to make sure that he continued to be active. That was when we got our first dog. So this is back in 1999. We welcomed home a Rottweiler puppy. Oh, I love them. And my life took a very sharp turn at that point (laughs) when I started to get involved with McCann's and join the apprenticeship program. And, you know, here is history (laughs) in the making. So maybe your life is about to take a very, very, very sharp turn in any direction and uh, be uh, revolving around your new puppy, which is really, really exciting. And I am totally okay with that. <laughs> so when is the big day? When does the new puppy come home? Uh, I get her on the week of family day. So Perfect. Okay. <laughs> that is not far away at all. Mm-hmm. And what kind of puppy are you getting? Um, she's actually a golden retriever, okay. yellow lab mix. Okay. Alrighty. Yeah. So she's, she's fluffy like her dad. Um, but colored like her mom. So she's got a little of that sassy red. Excellent. Which, um, you know, you and I have had this conversation. You know, oh, we love the red. If you're watching yes. us on the podcast, All we immediately bonded over the red hair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. That's great. Yeah. So um, she comes home in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. then. And have you picked out a name? I have. Okay. Her name is Kilani. Kilani. Oh, that's lovely. What does that mean? It's uh, a Hawaiian name. Okay. Um, that means the heavens. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That seems very fitting since you've waited patiently I have all waited this time. Patiently, and to have a dog finally like choose me, mm-hmm. I like. Mm. This was definitely sent from heaven. So. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. You guys are going to have a lovely, lovely life together. I think so. So had it was the sporting breed something that you were always attracted to? Like, what drew you to her specifically? Um, you know what? I have kind of oscillated um, between dogs like all my life because I just generally love dogs. Okay. I've always loved the little ones, the bigger ones. Um, but in the last several years, I've... Um, really created like a a bond with bigger breeds and um you know i had a a one golden retriever that i puppy sat many many years ago and he was just oh my god he was just everything like okay he was so well behaved and like snuggly and you know i even had a cry session with this dog because i was just you know having a day and I could just curl up with him, and yeah, he was just lovely. Um, and to be very honest with you, I was actually looking to uh, rescue a dog. Okay. Um, I had been going up to Dog Tales um, for a few months before Christmas, and I fell in love with this. Um, it was like a cross, 
like Pitbull and something else. Okay. And she was like an older, an older gal. She was like 13 years old and she had been in the shelter for three years and, you know, just needed, Mm -hmm. needed a home. And I was, you know, ready, but I was like moving at the time. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll get this house and it's going to have this beautiful backyard and she's going to have a wonderful place to like spend the rest of her life. Well, I got I got the house and uh, ran up to Dogtails, you know, during a snowstorm. <laughs> brought her like a Christmas stocking, and I went in to go say hi. And I'm looking around, and I was like, "Where, where is oh, she?" No. And I know immediately I went to, "Oh my gosh, did yes. she pass away?" Thankfully, she did. Okay, good. She had been adopted. Oh, good. And so it was like bittersweet. It was so bittersweet, but like. You know, my friend um, had come with me and kind of seen, like, yeah, Nancy's ready for a dog. And uh, his his friend had these dogs that were due any day. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, why don't you, you know, talk to him and, like, go meet the mom and dad. And, and I did. And, like, it just brought me right back to that pup, that Aww. golden retriever. And, uh, yeah. And, and love was had. And, and that's all there is. Had, like, <laughs> Her parents are, like, just two of the sweetest dogs. And then when they were born, oh, my gosh. Like, honestly, they're just, they're adorable. Oh, my gosh. So your dream come true right there. Dream come true. How could you not take one of those puppies? That's amazing. Amazing. So you've been out to visit them a time or two? A few times. Okay, lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Do you have it narrowed down in the litter to one pup, or Mm -hmm. are you still on the fence so you know who's coming home with you? I know. I know. So I think the third time I went out, I took my best friend with me, and we were just kind of like, you know, snuggling all the dogs. And, um, yeah, like, they were all just so cute. You know, I tend to love the runt of the litter too and okay i was like leaning towards him but um then uh, i kind of picked up kilani and you know she fell asleep on me oh and i said to my best friend i was like do you think she likes me she's that's like it. that's all i think she chose you yeah. and i'm like okay oh my gosh she even took a video of me and i'm like just on the verge of tears as this like sweet little pup and they make their like little grunts and groans yes and puppy breath Mm. isn't it something else it's intoxicating Mm -hmm. it always reminds me of like a a fresh coffee that sort of sat Mm -hmm. out for a couple of hours Mm -hmm. that smell to it and actually Mm -hmm. my first toller was named after coffee all the pups in the litter were named after coffee and he was maxwell so that might be a little bias in my head that's working there (laughs) but just made that connection (laughs) at any rate that's very exciting sporting breeds are very special Mm -hmm. i love my sporting breeds too and getting a golden and a lab in that same body you're mm-hmm. going to have a goofy fun loving wonderful dog yeah. that will be eager to learn and accompany you on all sorts of things and i'm excited for you for this journey i actually have um i have a puppy on order for the spring or maybe early summer as well so i'll be joining you in this puppy excitement thing so so cool yeah as long as mother nature cooperates and Mm -hmm. everything goes as planned another toller puppy um so 
with regards to the sporting breeds, mm-hmm. is there um, is there any sort of big picture dream that you have? Like they're really good at joining us for activities and things like that. Yeah. Are you planning to train and jump into agility or anything? Any of those fun activities? Yeah, well, those were some of my questions. Okay, um, you know. Does it depend on their temperament? Like, how do I know? Like, I want to, like, these are the questions I have. It's like, how do I know my dog is, you know, specifically, like, wanting to do, Mm -hmm. like, agility or, you know, another thing that crossed my mind because I, you know, am just like that um, was even, like, being a therapy dog and going into hospitals and nursing homes and stuff like that because, you know, I've seeing those dogs and I'm just like oh my gosh yeah it makes such a difference they really do and it's a special thing to be able to do with a dog Mm -hmm. and it really is I mean it's very dependent on that dog and that dog's temperament Mm -hmm. Um, when I first got into Tollers I had a Rottweiler to start with and when I first got into Tollers I was bound and determined that they were going to be therapy dogs Mm -hmm. and they were going to enjoy it and um, with my first Toller Jaden we went into a bunch of continuing care homes and we did you know uh, all sorts of events where they would have he would have lots of interaction with people and very quickly it became evident that it was not the thing for him and he yeah. would you know after the first couple of people he would start to deplete a little bit however right. having said that tollers are not as similar to golden retrievers as and labs as mm. one would think they look fairly similar but their temperament actually is called uh, aloof mm. which I would say that I have had a couple of tollers that are very friendly, but also very aloof. So they're very happy to meet you, but then they're happy to be done with you as well. Oh, I relate. I relate. <laughs> I, I, I am an introvert. Like, there you I, go. I can extrovert for a bit, but... <laughs> but it's work. It's, it's work. work. Yeah. Sure. And I felt that. Be- I, I'm, I'm very similar. Um, another thing we can bond over here. <laughs> Very similarly introverted. It's work for me to be extroverted, mm-hmm. although I've gotten lots of practice at it here at McCann Dog, so sure. I've gotten better at it over, over the years. But I could not have possibly empathized more with him when I realized he wasn't enjoying it. So, of course, we bowed out of that activity mm-hmm. because it really wasn't necessarily made for him as a toller. However, yeah. Labs and Goldens are very different, and they are more than happy to suck in the attention of every single person they meet all day, every day, as an overall general bias rules. So in all likelihood, you are picking a really good combination of breeds for these activities. There are very few dogs that I have seen in my days that don't enjoy agility. So the nice thing about sports like agility is that every dog can do it. And there's even divisions for, you know, if you had an English Mastiff, for Mm. example, obviously you don't want them jumping all of those hurdles over and over and over again with all the weight that that would impact them. So there are divisions for older dogs dogs or divisions for specials where you can drop them down a jump height so you can still play even if you're doing it on a little bit of a different scale than the other dogs and there's great competition in all of those different classes so I think that um I would say 99% of dogs would love agility because we can make those adjustments and it's just fun, you know, running around and jumping over things and moving up and down and through tunnels and whatnot. Most dogs absolutely love it. So, and it's got to be really beneficial for their health. Yeah. And so that's the thing, you know, I know walking your dog is really important Mm -hmm. playing with them, but 
you know, I want to make sure I'm doing the best that I can for Kilani. And so to bring her to agility classes and just like have her do her thing. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have a blast with it. Um, it, it, We have uh, agility classes going on all the time at the hall. We've actually got um, a seminar coming up next weekend that's all agility based. We are pretty, pretty heavy duty in agility around here with Kale McCann being 21 time world champion of agility. So uh, hopefully we will see you in agility in the future. I would love to. Yeah, it's so fun. And once you get the foundation of training and you have a dog that likes to listen and likes to work with you the sky is the limit like i do obedience competitions with my dogs which sound boring but they really are so much fun um i will do field work i do scent work you know there's so many things that you can get into i actually had to give up agility simply because i never have enough time for it anymore but at one point i did do agility with my dogs as well just a blast you know any activities that you can find that appeal to you the dogs are generally like yeah yeah, but I, I want to sure, do that too do because this. they yeah. don't they have that FOMO right they don't want to miss out on anything mm-hmm. it's all about the activity and the fun and the good times and getting to be with you mm. so I know that um, you had some fears that you shared with us and I know that one of those fears was how do I make sure that my dog likes me and I, I know that I know that you're giggling but it's such a but it's such it's a valid legit. concern <laughs> absolutely absolutely the last thing we want is to have a dog come into our home and and not see eye to eye with that dog. So I would say my best advice, Nancy, is take it one day at a time. So I think a lot of the times our students will work themselves up into a little bit of a panic because they're thinking of the adult dog and the future stuff. And that that to me reminds me of like sending your child off to the first day of kindergarten and already panicking about their university exams, right? Or their post-grad work. So uh, So true. Yeah. So if you can think about it in terms of like, I'm starting with my puppy and right now I'm going to master the puppy basics and like you know our our puppy essentials program for example is four weeks of lessons so okay i've got four weeks to get in all of these lessons here and not to perfect them because (laughs) (laughs) that's a dangerous goal as well progress not perfection yeah (laughs) and what you're gonna find when you bring your puppy home you're gonna find that there are these peaks and valleys as they go through development So a lot of the times we spend a lot of our effort doing pep talks with people and saying, you know what, I know, I know that it was going so great. And I know that it feels like it just fell apart and all of a sudden things aren't working anymore. It's normal. It's Mm. very normal. That's so good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And like the wheels fall off the cart every once in a while because you go from this, you know, eight week old puppy that you bring home that is really eager to follow you around and be in that safety zone and like you know that's instinctual yeah and then at four months when they hit their first major development period somewhere around that age they start to get a little bit more independent in their life because their instinct tells them they no longer need to stick as close to home for that instinctual safety they can start to notice the big wide world around them etc So sometimes they forget, (laughs) sometimes they make mistakes, sometimes the wheels fall off the cart, as I said, and again, very normal. And then you get things back on track because that's what we do. We keep plugging away as humans. And then around seven months, they fall off the cart again when they hit adolescence. So be prepared for there to be peaks and valleys. And the good news is, is if you can take advantage, which you're a planner, 
I love that. It, as soon as I read your document that you sent us, I thought, oh, this woman is after my own heart because I'm such a planner as well. And I like yeah. to have everything just organized. But know that the work that you're going to put in during those cooperative periods mm. is going to carry you through the tougher periods. Mm, beautiful. So let your mind go to a little bit of a resting spot with that and try to just think about the day to day. Thank you so much. That <laughs> was literally one of the things I wrote last night. I was like going through my puppy list and I was like, okay, what are all the questions? Do I have them all? And I was like, okay, I need a question about what's my mindset coming into this. What should I expect? And you know what? It's what you've just said just reminds me of like being on a diet or, you know, know, (laughs) trying to get in shape. Like I am trying to do that again but you know right you know yeah fall off and we don't absolutely need to beat ourselves up we just keep moving forward okay a hundred percent and this. and even if today you have a terrible day and mm-hmm. you think you know what i don't want to do this anymore i'm giving this puppy away <laughs> no. tomorrow you're gonna wake up with mm-hmm. resolve and you're gonna wake up and you might even have a different puppy on your hands from one day to the next <laughs> because that is sometimes the way these development periods yeah. work where all of a sudden it's just a bit of a disaster and then things are brilliant again and it's just like them being cute i think mm. it's a mechanism to make sure that they stay in our lives right? Seriously, <laughs> it's a, it's a, survival tactics <laughs> <laughs> so that is fabulous that we've um we've addressed that mindset because i think you. that that's a mindset that so many people will carry with them too and then they have they think they need to be perfect with every step of the way mm. So that's another thing I wanted to reassure you about. You're going to make mistakes. It's an inevitability. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been with McCann's now since 1999, so 23-ish, 24-ish years. And I still go, I cannot believe I just did that. Did I really just do that? <laughs> Have I not learned anything in all this time? It's just, yeah. it's so completely normal. We're human. It happens. And the good thing is, is our puppies forgive us. Oh, I know. They're so lovely. They are. And they're honest. They give us honest, so honest feedback yeah. as well. They'll call us on our mistakes mm-hmm. by, you know, with the behavior changing and inappropriate behaviors starting to get stronger <laughs> when we're making mistakes. And they will fall back in line very nicely and very quickly when we when we give them good information again. Oh, that's so good to know. Okay. Thank so, what, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when you bring your puppy home, just try to think about that one day at a time. Okay. You're going to feel much more relaxed, I think, once you bring mm. your puppy home, knowing that this puppy is going to love you. You are doing all of the right things to get prepared to make sure that you have a good relationship with your puppy. Thank you. <laughs> you yeah, bet. This was so important to me because, you know, I can be puppy auntie and, you know, some things are instinctual, but um, yeah, to bring one home is completely different. I know Absolutely. that not having that day one experience, I wanted to be prepared. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And being a planner is great. Um, we're going to talk all about, you know, planning your um, house safety, planning your shopping mm-hmm. list, things like that. Uh, we've got some some videos that we're preparing to do, et cetera. So mm-hmm. we're really going to tap into you as this first time dog owner who is so being so generous with your time and so eager to like jump in and do the right thing for your puppy. Mm-hmm. So that in and it itself tells me that you're going to be an amazing puppy caretaker and an amazing dog owner. And you guys are going to find a relationship and you're going to adore each other. So um, a couple of things in that direction. Mm -hmm. So one of the concerns about your puppy not liking you, it's not usually that they don't like you. Uh, If there is... 
if there is a bit of a, a mismatch in understanding sometimes, mm-hmm. it's usually more about us trying to put qualities of human nature into the into dog, dog yeah. versus us actually not being likable to the dog. Mm-hmm. So with dogs, feeling safe is the number one priority. So if your puppy can feel safe with you and they know you're going to take care of anything that might happen out there in the world, you are going to have a puppy that looks to you for good guidance and good understanding of the rules in the house. So that really boils down to leadership. Mm. And leadership is all about giving good direction. It's not a lot of the times people think it's about being mean and nasty and militant. and You must and, you know, making everything happen. It's really not. It's about giving good direction. And one of the things that we find most important in raising puppies here at McCann Dogs is management. And management is all about making sure that you set the puppy up for success. So, for example, we're in this big studio right now. A lot of the times people want to bring home their puppy and they just want to put the puppy down and go, okay, let's explore the world. And then, of course, the puppy will find the carpet to Mm -hmm. chew and the chair legs and all of those things to chew. And then we become these angry little humans chasing them around saying, you know, you need to leave that alone. You need to leave that yeah. alone. And pretty soon the puppies start to say, you know what? You're not any fun. You're always, you're always after you're me. You're always nagging me. me. And you're always telling me what I can't <laughs> do. And, 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 and. Yeah. So if you can think a little bit in terms of the puppy's mm-hmm. mentality versus our mentality and have a look around your surroundings and think about what they might get into mischief about that mm-hmm. you'll have to redirect them from, that is going to be 90% of your battle right okay. there. So the setup for success is massive. And things have changed a lot over the years in terms of our understanding of dogs and how they learn and in terms of how we actually engage them to learn. And things have gotten a lot nicer, which is so lovely. It's a really great time for you to be getting into a a, a puppy, Nancy, (laughs) because it's just a lovely time and a lovely interaction. And because we know how to manage the puppy to set them up for success, we can ensure that they're not getting into big amounts of mischief that Mm -hmm. now we're having to say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Right. And we can tell our puppies that they're right most of the time. We can direct them, we can help them learn the right things, and we can make those things valuable as well. Mm. So, yeah. So basically, I, if, if, for example, I want my puppy to learn to leave the chair leg alone, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that when I can't supervise my puppy and when I can't easily distract him from that thing, he doesn't have access to it. Mm-hmm. So I might use an X-Pen or I might keep him in his crate when I know that I can't be there ab- absolutely watching him with 100% accuracy. It's got to be right. 100% supervision because mm-hmm. sometimes we have those squirrel moments yes. as well and we get <laughs> distracted. And then, of course, two seconds of being distracted with a puppy might as well be an eternity. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> So true. So you absolutely, you want to think about what might be going on in that environment Mm -hmm. and how you can help your puppy make the right choices in that setup. So I have baby gates in my home that I use. I make sure that, you know, when I I bring home a new puppy, I always do an analysis of my house. I get down on, you know, the puppy's level. So head right on the ground. And I have, (laughs) exactly. I have a look under all the things and in all the things and make sure that they're not going to be able to get to electrical cords and things like that. And if there are, 
areas that I'm concerned about, mm-hmm. I make sure that I put something in place so that the puppy won't be able to get into that area. Gotcha. So in your house setup, can you think of some things that you will need to do in order to help the puppy be contained and safe? Yeah, your mention of electrical cords just, you know, piqued my interest because mm-hmm. having just moved into this house, I'm still finding all the electrical outlets. And so I've got cords kind of all over the place. So okay. Definitely going to have to take care of that. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing is the electrical cords because those, and maybe my shoes. <laughs> shoes are absolutely absolutely a tempting thing to be chewing on and to be playing with so when i have a young puppy i make sure they don't have access to that area of the Mm -hmm. house where their shoes and eventually they do so this is not an all the time thing a lot of the times when we talk to people about management for puppies they think well how's he ever going to learn and it's again it's in steps and stages absolutely it's a bit of a process it's starting to teach skills so the last thing we want to do is set the puppy up to go and grab those shoes when they still haven't learned how to drop things on command and they haven't learned how to leave things on command so while i'm blocking off those shoes for example i'm teaching my dog good skills so i'm teaching my puppy how to leave it when i say leave it and i'm building value for that thing so and i might start with something really uninteresting like and even though everything's pretty interesting to young puppies but i might just start with an empty box for example and i might work leave it i might work some choice work with my dog i might work leave it with some lures so i'm going to basically start by teaching him how to leave something that's really unexciting and then once that box is a piece of cake and he knows exactly how to turn off that box on the leave it cue now i'm going to make that box more interesting so little steps at a time if you can see how we set stuff up and eventually i'm going to open up that baby gate and i'm going to allow him access to the front hall where there are shoes and i'm going to work my leave it in that situation and if i have any concerns at all that he's still a little bit on the fence about that setup then i'm going to make sure that i have better management in place until i feel really good about his ability to leave those shoes right so. and so first day i mean maybe i'm jumping ahead here um but first day home mm-hmm. is it i mean I mean, I've seen people, they open the crate and the dog just kind of, you know, goes and explores. So what I'm hearing, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. is like you limit where they're exploring right off the bat. You got it. Got it. Okay. Yep. Trying to... I'm learning. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you're doing this and planning ahead because it is going to make your time with your puppy enjoyable versus Mm -hmm. frustrating. Right. So we get, um, we get a lot of people signing up for our puppy essentials classes a couple of weeks into things Mm -hmm. where they've done exactly what you've done and, or what exactly what you were assuming and thought, Oh, you know what? Like, it's a puppy. We'll figure things out as we go along. And inevitably, the biggest mistake people make is giving their puppies too much freedom. And then there's this clash of, of frustrations because yeah. the puppy wants to chew those shoes. The puppy doesn't understand that they're not allowed to chew right. those shoes. And every time they start to show interest in those shoes, they get in trouble. But they don't have an understanding of what they should have done right to begin with. Right. So then you st- it, it can become a little bit of a slippery slope where the puppy thinks, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to grab the shoe and run then because maybe that will get you engaged in a game and they love to play uh-huh. keep away. Uh-huh. So that actually brings me to a really important point about management and that is the house line. Mm. Have you heard of the house line at all? Mm-mm. Okay. So a house line is basically... 
to level our playing field for us okay. because our puppies are quick and they're nimble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and usually by about 10 weeks, for the first couple of weeks, you can probably catch them pretty easily. But usually. Girl, I am 40 <laughs> years old. <laughs> So you're not running. I am not running. (laughs) So exactly why a house line could break a hip. Oh, (laughs) if you're watching us on the video podcast, you're saying, you know what? This woman is very young. I don't know what she's talking about. She's definitely not breaking a hip from running, but it's a valid concern. We do not want to break hips running around chasing our puppies. So the house line is going to be so helpful. And until I feel really confident that I can stop my puppy with my voice or I can attract their attention with my voice and fix anything that might be untoward with my Mm -hmm. voice, they always drag a house line. And the house line is basically a light leash. I'll typically get like a cheaper leash from the dollar store and cut the handle off or just a piece of nylon line that I put a clip on and I'll put that on their collar. And 99% of the time that house line just drags. Okay. So it's attached to my puppy's collar. I'm supervising, so there's no chance of them getting caught up on anything. Mm-hmm. There's no chance of them having trouble with anything, choking hazards, etc. And I'm I'm containing them in a space that they can't, you know, get the puppy burns and start running through and the house get the house line gets caught, etc. So there is right. a safety element in place. But what it it does is it acts as a little little break for my Mm. foot so when my puppy does get something they shouldn't and it's inevitable because we're human things happen Mm. we make mistakes we leave things lying around we don't think about things sometimes and you know we might take a shoe off and then forget about it as we're dealing with a million things that go Uh on in our brain and it allows us when the puppy goes and grabs that shoe it allows us to just quietly walk up step on the house line and then from there we can redirect the puppy from the shoe so now Mm -hmm. i can say to him oh you know what that's my mistake for giving you access to the shoe but we're going to take that away here's something you can have instead i'm going to close my baby gate so he can't get at the shoes anymore Mm -hmm. and basically i've just avoided teaching my puppy to play keep away with me right because they're always looking for the value in life and they're always looking for the fun so that is what happens when they get the opportunity (laughs) to grab the shoe grab the sock run for the hills and play keep away and i remember my first puppy quincy i remember my father myself and my sister all chasing Quincy around the backyard trying to get things like pebbles out of her mouth because we hadn't gotten started yet with our training although she was signed up for puppy essentials when she was four weeks old before we even brought her home but her class hadn't started until she was about 10 and a half or 11 weeks so we still had these three weeks to weather for ourselves and create all sorts of (laughs) create all sorts of naughty behaviors that luckily oh man we were able to get on track very quickly so So, mistakes happen i wish (laughs) i had known this like last year i was watching um yeah two labs one was when one was older okay one was i think just about one or whatever um but yeah definitely (laughs) got into that situation where like the dog ate the house key oh my goodness i i had put the house key like up and it was suddenly gone, and I was like, um, I think I think the dog took it. And then oh. she would, like, steal any shoe and paper and, like, literally was running me around the house. The older dog actually was, like, my helper. Oh, my goodness. And like, send this little dog in. And I was like, well, not little dog, huge dog. Um, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I wish I had known these things, oh, but at goodness. the same time, I'm like, not my dog, but oh. yeah, 
Yeah. I think they found out a week later that the dog was in heat too, which I was like, ooh, hormones. I get oh, that. good. I yeah. Get that. I, <laughs> we get that. I feel you, dog. I feel <laughs> oh, you. my gosh. Oh, boy. Yeah. The house line really is mm. one of the best tools. And 99% of the time, it's just a thing that drags around and it's in the way and it's a pain. But that 1% of the time you need it. Oh, yeah. It can be the best tool for preventing the wrong thing from being learned by the puppy. Because once they learn they're faster than you and they learn how long your arms are <laughs> and they learn how to play keep away, they are absolute masters of body language. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't take them much time at all to figure out how to turn that game into to the best one they've ever played mm-hmm. of course their opinion yeah, not of, course, of course of <laughs> course and, and i would assume that not starting you know not putting the baby gates up in the first place and having to kind of backtrack to do mm-hmm. that um it would feel does it feel like punishment to the dogs like is it hard to like not that i'm planning on doing that but i'm just popped in my head when you were talking yeah yeah it's a great question so i mean a lot of the times we use our own emotions Mm. to think about what the dog's thinking so they're really not i mean by taking away that freedom yes they can't go running into the kitchen to do their own thing they can't go running into the living room to do their own thing but realistically as long as you are giving them things to pass the time in this controlled setting like for example when i have a young puppy in the house when i'm busy they're 100% in their crate. Yeah. When I am interacting with them, I give them 100% of my attention and they're set up so that ideally we find nothing but success in that scenario. Who knows what life will bring? Mm-hmm. However, for the most part, I try to stay a couple of steps ahead of the puppy. Mm-hmm. I make sure that, you know, we've got an area, my my house is not particularly huge, but um, it's got enough space in the living room, for example, that he, the puppy could play enough keep away and run around the table, etc. So, If I am concerned about those things, I'll usually set up an X-Pen so that there's a little bit less space for the puppy. And I might be inside the X-Pen with them. And while I am managing to prevent the mischief, remember that I'm also teaching my puppy how to interact with me pleasantly and how to follow simple commands. So things like teaching them to respond to their name, teaching them to respond to an out or a drop it command. That's actually, those are the two things that are first on my list to teach. Yes. So right off the bat, I teach my puppy to always turn and look at me when I call their name and pleasant things rain from the sky when you do and there's lots of games and fun so you know sometimes I might have a little piece of steak sometimes I might just use their kibble which isn't as exciting sometimes I might pull out their favorite toy and have a great game of tug so while all of these things are happening where I'm managing I'm also teaching my puppy how to engage with me on a productive level so I'm teaching them how to play with me with toys and how to engage with me on a good level where there's some rules I can tell them out and get the toy back on command. I will teach them very quickly that they don't get to have the toy until they have waited for me to give them permission to have the toy, for example. There's all sorts of very simple things that you can do when you're in the teaching mode versus the reactive reactive mode. mode. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things that you can do to help your puppy understand where the fun actually is and to try to align Mm. your ideas of what's fun, what's rewarding, what's engaging, etc. So they're not going, oh, I'm so bored you won't play with me because you're sitting there watching TV, so I'm going to see if I can grab the sock and run for the hills and get you to get yeah. off your butt and come and play with me instead. So, Do you guys have a camera in my house? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's okay. This is how everybody starts. And like I said, I remember the three of us chasing Quincy around the yard mm-hmm. before we started at McCann's trying to take the thing away from her. So we've all been there. I laugh so much now when I think back to all the puppy antics that yeah. she nailed us on. That's awesome. <laughs> she was so good. That is so awesome. So um, we'll talk. We'll talk all about shopping and whatnot. We'll do those videos and we'll get some. Uh, we'll Thank get goodness, some. That was half of my list. I was like, what kind of leash? What kind of what kind of food? I like. Yeah, absolutely. There's just way too much information out there. There's a lot. It's like everyone has their opinion on everything, and I'm oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to know how to take care of my dog. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many things, so many things. And when you're outside of the situation and you're planning, and I get this feeling because I'm such a planner too, you can work yourself up into the most Mm. anxious states because of the what ifs. And I'll tell you, once you actually have the puppy home, you know, there might be a couple of days where I always joke that there's like a postpartum puppy depression as well, because all of a sudden your life is different, right? Why did I do this two nights ago? Nobody was waking me up at 3 a.m. to go outside (laughs) in February in my house coat (laughs) to go pee. Why did I do it? My neighbors are to love me <laughs> why did i do this i was able to walk through the house without needles sinking into my teeth <laughs> why did i do this but after a couple of days it starts to calm down you start yeah. to get used to it they start to sleep through the night you start to get to sleep through the night as well yeah. and it's just a nice nice okay. progress so if you can get past past the first week which can be a little bit tough mm. you'll be good to go yeah i figured that would be hard and i think one of my questions too is not only like you know, how I'm going to feel now having a being in my space. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when I go to visit Kilani, I have these really cute videos. Oh, my God. Um, she's she's really attached to her mom. Uh-huh. And so I, I just I, I'm having this moment where I'm like, oh, like, yes, I want her to come live with me. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I don't want to take you away from your mommy. <laughs> gotcha. Like, you know. Yeah. I just, you know, I have that feel. Well, you have a very kind heart. (laughs) So that is part of the things that are going to make you anxious. Mm. But dogs differentiate very quickly when Mm. it comes to leaving their litter, leaving their litter mates, leaving mom, etc. It it, there's a little bit of a stress period with puppies, okay. but it's very short lived. Like uh, the the first puppy that I had actually experienced this stress point coming into my house mm-hmm. was Ned, my current um, middle aged boy. He'll be six in March. I love that his name is Ned. Oh my gosh! One of my favorite boys' names is Walter. Oh, I love and that. He's this huge Samoyed, but like. I love that they have like little old man names. So I'll actually tell you the origin story of his name because I love it so much. So my first toller, Jaden, mm-hmm. um, he was an extremely independent dog, extremely yeah. independent. And I went into my my relationship with him, expecting him to be very similar to my Rottweiler, Quincy, mm. in terms of his desire to work and his work ethic and whatnot. And Quincy, the Rottweiler, had such amazing, incredible work ethic. And if there was ever a situation where we disagreed on something I would tell her what the right way to do things was and she would just hop to okay ma'am let's do it I don't want to stop working I want to keep working you tell me what I've done wrong I'm there we've got it I'm right good. let's do this go, go, go. Jaden on the other hand when we had similar disagreements he would just throw me the paw 
and wander off. That's fine. I will play by myself then. I don't need to play with you. And for a while, I banged my head against the wall with that dog. And it was about, he was about six and a half to seven months old. And I finally thought, okay, you know what? Like, what gives with this dog? And I stopped trying to do things the way I knew things had worked with Quincy and I started trying to really figure him out. And it was at that point where I thought, okay. And I was very green in my dog training at that point. So this would have been 2001. So um, I I had what you call second dog syndrome (laughs) where you think, (laughs) oh, because my first dog had these, has these great skills and everything's wonderful. The second dog's going to be a piece of cake now. Oh my gosh. You kind of with Like parenting or something. (laughs) Absolutely. I I don't have kids, but like I, I see this all the time. I'm just like, I think it's I think it's survival mechanism. You go into the second one because you kind of forget how rough things were in the beginning with the first one because it's a process, right? right? And because you work through the process successfully. So So we finally sort of found our footing, and then we never looked back. And Jaden was a month shy of fourteen when he passed. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, He was such a special dog to me and like people use the term heart dog and I'm always hesitant to use that term heart dog because they're all so special Mm -hmm. and they all reside in a in a very particular place in your heart there's no getting around that but he was very special and my first toller and taught me so much and taught me so much more than a lot of my other dogs have because I did have that struggle with him and then the triumph at uh as life continued with him but anyways Uh, after 14 years it was obviously he passed in 2015 so it's been even longer than than 14 years Uh, but there was this desire to get back to a Jaden I wanted something that was similar to him again Uh, part part of it was you know a little bit of my ego I really wanted to know how much better I would do with a Jaden temperament at Mm. this stage in my training than at that stage in my training just out of uh, you know horrendous curiosity but I also had such an amazing special place in my heart for him that I wanted a piece of Jaden in my life again. So I went all the way to BC for Ned, who is related to Jaden a little bit further down the line, but that was what brought me out to BC. And I'm going back to BC for my next Toller puppy as well, because I'm so thrilled with Ned and the puppy raising that his breeder does is just absolutely phenomenal and so impressive. So I thought, hey, why mess with perfection? Like I'm there, but like go to BC. Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. So the Do point you need someone to carry your bags. Like Absolutely. I will, I will come carry your bags. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to have you on speed dial. So Ned is actually Jaden backwards and truncated. Oh. So because they had that relation and his um uh, his registered name is an Elton John song called The Greatest Discovery. I don't know if you Aww. know the song, but it's basically a song that expresses the emotions when Bernie Toppin, who wrote all the lyrics, if you're an Elton John fan, you'll know that. Um, Bernie Toppin, when he met his brother for the very first time, his baby brother, and his recollection of the emotions in this, and it's a really powerful song. Oh my so the connection of the brother made that be the perfect name for Ned. So he is ready for The Greatest Discovery, and um his call name being ned which ties back to jaden so (laughs) i absolutely love names (laughs) there's no tissues in here i'm sorry (laughs) that's just awesome i absolutely i love that and every time i think about that connection it just makes my heart so warm so warm because these dogs like they just 
they're so special in our lives. Mm. And like you're about to embark on this amazing journey. And I know that you have an idea of what it's going to be like, but I think that at times the power of it Mm. is going to knock you right down because they are just incredible creatures and we yeah. bond the bond with them on a level that is so different from anything else I've experienced in my life yeah. and like I've had some long-term relationships and I've had <laughs> siblings and parents and all this and it's yeah. uh, while well, there's so much amazing stuff in those relationships as well don't get me wrong and yeah. we could talk for an hour about each of those <laughs> there's a very special component to the dog and human relationship yeah. and the honesty of the dog for sure. I mean, like, I did have a cat for 14 years. I, you know, <laughs> was going through a separation. My friend was getting married. She was like, oh, you know, I need a home for silver because my fiance is allergic. I'm like, <laughs> you know, just bitter Nancy going through a divorce, whatever. Um, <laughs> but like she posted it a few times and I was like, fine, let me meet this cat. And, you know cats <laughs> i'm not a cat person but i was like i'm with you i was like okay you're cute Fine. sometimes they're special too. i was like come live with me but <laughs> i yeah she she was with me for um 14 years i think and uh just last year i had to put her down because she got um, oh i'm sorry renal failure and um you know she was like any cat she just did her own thing and whatever mm-hmm. but you know those moments absolutely um, where like she minded her business until like I was, you know, crying or not feeling well. And then she would like hop right on my chest and like, just remind me that she was there. And, um, when I had to put her down, I didn't expect how I would feel. Cause I mean, you know, we were talking earlier, you lost your mom and I also lost my mom and, um, and that, you know, it's a horrendous experience sitting with somebody and losing them. Um, but, when I had to put silver down, I literally couldn't breathe for half Mm -hmm. an hour. And it got me reflecting on that about how animals are just, they're so pure and the love that you have between you is so pure. Like there's so, now you're going to get me crying. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm going to be driving home and just be like, Ugly, like Nancy's never coming back, never coming back to the canned dogs. They just make me cry. (laughs) No. Anyways, I digress, but yeah, you're, you're so right. Like it's just such a, it's such a special bond. It really, really is. Mm -hmm. And you are going to be a fabulous, fabulous dog owner. You absolutely are. So you're very welcome. So you had some other questions about, um, food and health and things like that. So, um, I mean the question on food, I have read a million things, Mm -hmm. you know, some people say dry, some people say wet, some people say raw, some people say, you know, like. I am so confused, girl. Like, I getcha. What what do I do? And I like getcha. treats. Like how often do you treat? And yeah, like those are everyone has really their good opinions. Questions. So yep. can you please set me straight? Yeah. Well, I can definitely. <laughs> I can give you my opinion okay. <laughs> and add more to the mix. So I, basically, with food, I, I think it's always valuable to remember with dog food that it is primarily a byproduct industry. Yes. Yeah. So when you're looking at the wide variety of prices out there, keep that in mind. When you're dealing with a premium food, sometimes it's about marketing. Yeah. 
But sometimes it's about the quality of the ingredients. And I would say that um, most of your higher end foods are being put together with the dog in mind rather than the dog as a byproduct I see. of the industry that is creating waste. And now here's something that we can do with this waste and potentially profit off of it as mm. well. So it's worthwhile to do a little bit of research into each of the, the, brands. the brands that you're considering. Okay. Yeah. When you first bring your puppy home, traditionally, most breeders will send you home with some food. And you'll probably want to continue along with that same food for the for the first little while. Right. Let the puppy get settled in. Let them find their feet. Sometimes just giving them different water sources can upset their stomach. So it's it's important to introduce new things slowly. Okay. So rather than getting them home and thinking, oh, I'm going to try this food right away, stick with what he's been what she sorry she, yeah. she <laughs> has gotten used to up to this point. And I'm so used to getting male puppies <laughs> that it's always on the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to change, you'll have some time to sort of figure out what you want to change to. There are valid ways to feed in every direction. Dry, wet, raw. I've pretty much covered the gambit with most of these things. Yeah. At this point, I feed a, a combination oh, cool. of some kibble and some raw. I try to make sure that I'm not feeding them at the same meal and at the okay. same time because they'll digest a little bit differently. But aside from that, I like my dogs to get used to all sorts of different proteins and all sorts of different options. Okay. So I think a lot of the times we actually create dogs with sensitive systems because we feed them nothing but the same thing all this time. And then when we introduce something different, it doesn't agree with them. They Mm. get a little bit uh, put off in terms of maybe some loose stool or diarrhea or some vomiting, et cetera. And then we quickly go back to the singular protein that they were used to. So that's something to keep in mind as well. What I usually will do with my puppies is I'll introduce a new thing slowly. So I will first, you know, if, if it's the first time my puppy's having cheese, for example, and I'm using that as a high value treat, I will start with a very small quantity of cheese. Things that are rich can sometimes throw their systems off. So I'll start with a small quantity and then I'll wait 24 hours and I'll make note of how it sits with the puppy. So if they're up at 3 a.m. with raging diarrhea... That gives me good feedback. And if they're fine until the next day, that gives me good feedback as well. And then I know that I can add a little bit more and a little bit more. Are there sources of proteins that are like a no-go for dogs? Uh, Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are sort of on the danger list for dogs, not necessarily sources of protein, but things like chocolate, some nuts can be very toxic for dogs. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of chemical components to some of our sweeteners, things like that. Things like xylitol can be really toxic to dogs so i always warn people if they're using peanut butter especially if they're in the u.s there's a lot of light peanut butters that use xylitol to sweeten and that is a very big no-go with dogs like a straight up peanut butter straight up peanut butter is fine i try to stick to the natural peanut butter as much as possible so they're not getting the extra sugar and salt but i tried to do that for myself right yeah me too (laughs) but it's so tasty i know it's so uh, peanut butter in any in any kind shape or form like you just gotta put the spoon in i think we were separated at birth I think potentially so, actually. i'm like i'm seeing wait like even we sat down and yeah. like we literally sat the same way and i was like okay i'll cross my legs so it's not so weird but yeah <laughs> absolutely no. <laughs> we do digress again <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's really worth your while to sort of do some basic research. Okay. Things like grapes are toxic for dogs. Mm-hmm. Grapes and raisins are a huge no-go. Yeah. Um, but generally, they can digest most meats. I mean, most they meats. really are 
they're scavengers by nature. True, right? So unless unless you are really dedicated to that one protein and that's all they get, they're probably going to be able to weather okay. most, most things. Most proteins are fine. So yeah, so talk to the breeder about what they've been feeding. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do switch from that particular food, you might switch within the same protein. So if it's a chicken-based food, or you might try a different protein, introducing it first in a small quantity and then going from there. Yeah. Um, in terms of treats... Yeah. Uh, we talked about how we introduce those. I like to use the high value treats when there's a challenge or a, or some sort of a conflict that I know the puppy's attention is going to be conflicted between me and the thing. So, for example, if we're venturing out to get some training in at a park and it's mm-hmm. a new location for the puppy, I might decide to bring along little chunks of meat. Um, I will frequently go and get like a little hunk of roast beef or something of that nature and cut it into tiny little cubes for training. Um, a little bits of cheese, this. things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the dog and I are just going to be at the table and how munching, munching. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. One for me, one, one for you. you. That's what happens with peanut butter treats in my house. <laughs> Preach, girl. Preach. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I will use those high-value rewards in that situation, but I try to use a lot of their kibble ration. And that's why Mm. I actually feed some raw and some kibble is because I want to have kibble as an option for training. So, and I don't want my... I'm really they classify us as kibble counters those of us that that are very particular and making sure that you know because we carry a few extra pounds we don't want our dogs to carry a few extra pounds we always want them to be lean and fit and whatnot so Mm. i'm very conscious about how many calories my dogs are getting so i find Mm. that that really balances things out rather than using high value treats all the time i'll try to use their kibble ration as much as possible and i tend to keep a little bit of kibble on me all the time time, so that when you get those moments you know where you go into the kitchen and the puppy sits when you're preparing food instead of trying to jump up on the cupboard to see what you're doing up there those are excellent opportunities to say oh my goodness you're brilliant what a good puppy and feed them and that's where we talked about building value for the things you want them to do that's how that happens so in day-to-day life looking for those natural opportunities to say oh i like that choice i want my puppy to repeat that you know if they walk into the room and there's a sock yeah. on the floor and they you know, choose to lay down beside it instead of picking it up and running off that's a great opportunity to say oh you're so smart here's a reward for that, that. and then the sock becomes not valuable mm-hmm. who cares about the sock every time the sock is in view I get rewards from you for ignoring it. So it becomes a cue to look to you for information and advice instead of doing their own thing and trying to find their own value in life. Right. Love it. Perfect. Um, Did you have other questions about food? Um, not particularly about food, but like in the health realm. Okay. So you ready. if you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, before we get to that, you mentioned, um, you said it sort of tongue in cheek as a joke, but I thought that's a really good point to talk about because it's it's one of the fallacies that uh, often will be out there in dogdom and that's sitting at the kitchen table and feeding the dog. And a lot of the times people will think, oh, I'm not giving my puppy people food because then he'll learn to beg. Mm. And dogs are tremendously situational. So it's not about the people food at the table. Mm -hmm. You could feed your dog kibble from the table. They will learn to beg. 
egg in that situation. Right. So it's about situationally not feeding your dog from that table. So this is where good management would come into play. If you're sitting down having a meal and your puppy's not quite ready yet to not be trying to jump in your lap or jump in your plate mm-hmm. when you're eating, this is a good time to be crating the puppy. And then you can set up little scenarios. I will actually set up scenarios all the time with my puppy because they don't know what's real and what's not. It's mm-hmm. all the same to them. And it gives me an opportunity to control the situation. So I would sit down at the dinner table and once my puppy had enough skills to sort of go and find their bed, I'm going to have them on their bed. And as I'm sitting at the dinner table, I'm going to be tossing them rewards so that staying on that bed becomes the valuable thing. You get off the bed to try to come over here and investigate the meal at the table. Well, you don't get to investigate. I'm going to bring you back to the bed. But it's also much more valuable for you to remain on the bed because that's where you get the goodies when we're eating. So just a little so aside. Smart. So smart. Build that value wherever mm-hmm. you can. When you see things that you like that your puppy is doing, make sure you let them know it. Oh, If you don't have any that. treats on it, on you, have a little like playtime with them. Let them know they're wonderful. But in a perfect world, you've always got a little pocket full of kibble where you can oh, reinforce good. those puppies. I think I can do that. <laughs> okay, so health questions. Okay. Lay them on me. So growing up in the years of Bob Barker and The Price is Right, (laughs) um, my next question is kind of a twofer, um, to fix or not to fix, Mm -hmm. and what do I do, you know, had the experience with Crazy Puppy that was going into heat, and I was like, oh, I wonder how one handles that. (laughs) So yes, and... It's surrounded by all the same things that we know, the hormones, the cramps, Mm -hmm. the frustration, the changes in mood, like those things are real for all species. So be prepared for that. If you do allow her to go through a season or two, be prepared that there's going to be a little apple cart upsetting for a few weeks so right. typically a season will last about three weeks okay and um Poor thing Good yes goodness. isn't isn't that awful but at least only once every nine months or so so not as frequent as some of us <laughs> exactly exactly so if you spay her before that mm-hmm. obviously she won't come into season at all it's traditionally accepted at this point that sometimes you want to let them go through that first season especially with some of our bigger dogs there's been a really really good bunch of studies there was actually a golden retriever study the morris foundation did this really amazing golden retriever study and um they've been looking at the incidence of cancer in golden retrievers over the last 10 years and some of their findings does point to the idea that keeping them intact for just a little bit longer is beneficial for their health because they get to use all of the hormones and whatnot that are naturally flowing through them in order to grow and develop. Um, as an ultimate decision, this is a really good conversation to have with your vet just to, yeah. to, to get their opinions and and ask what they traditionally do. The breeder would also be a really good source of information mm-hmm. for this to see, you know, traditionally when do they come into season because she'll probably follow along similar lines to what her lines have done her mother Mm -hmm. uh, if her mother had her first season late at 14 months for example you might have the same expectation of her there might be similarities there that you can quasi rely on to hopefully predict the future but of course we know know. we know how that goes the quasi (laughs) relying on so Uh, so yeah good conversations to have for sure with both of those um both of those parts of your village and Mm -hmm. see what their opinions are with that as well and if you if you look up the morris foundation study some really really interesting findings that they had over the 10 years they followed these golden retrievers and it it is ongoing as well they have a really nice email list that keeps you posted on these things so okay cool 
you can look yeah, into I that. For sure, look that up. Yeah. Thank you. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. No problem. So the spay and neuter thing that was like that was a big thing, mm-hmm. um, and just a really dumb question, I guess. There like, are no dumb questions. I know how to, to deal with me when I'm in season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's things you do. Yeah, but like. There's like no dog maxi pads. Like there are. Are there? Okay, things I don't know. Yeah, see, there I'm absolutely are. So yeah, you can actually. Um, typically, you can get pants. They just call them pants, mm-hmm. and they're like a padded pant that you can use. You could use actual maxi pads. I know lots of people who will use boys' underwear because it has that hole oh, that you yeah, can put the yeah. to- the, the toy through. through the tail <laughs> through that tail thing. <laughs> has that hole that you can use very very handy and then you can use an actual maxi pad um the traditionally the pants will already be padded so you can easily throw them in the washer and reuse them again should there be a need to reuse them again so there's definitely ways to deal with that and um you will need to be careful about any males in season that are in the vicinity. So when you're walking her things like that you'll want to be really conscious of that because of course that drive is very strong very very strong one of the strongest incidents of that that i have heard of was a german shepherd bursting out of a third story window to yeah go and have his little fun with a female in the neighborhood that was in season so and i know with my own dogs my own males i do traditionally keep them intact and i can tell if there's a if there's a female in season around so i do lots of training in those situations to make sure that they understand you still have to listen even in those scenarios Mm -hmm. and it is doable but it is a lot of work and there's a lot of drooling and chattering that comes along with those boys at times (laughs) but yeah absolutely it's a it's going to be a pain in the butt but you'll you'll live through it yeah and if you only have to do it once that's not as bad yeah it doesn't feel nearly as bad (laughs) i was just like oh yeah i have no idea how you would do that with a dog yeah And by that point, you'll have enough skills on her that you'll be able to put the pants on easily without it being a fussing wrestling match. And yeah, (laughs) it'll be good to go. Every time they go outside to pee, you have to take them off, put them back on. Yeah, this is why I have boys. (laughs) Well, and that's the funny thing is like I kind of went into this thinking, okay, I want a boy. You know, I don't want to have to worry about all this stuff. And, uh, you know, the research that I had done, the boys, you know, seemed, you know, whatever. I love their idea of their temperament, but, um, and then Kilani kind of chose me and I was like, girl, it is. Okay, here we go. That is by far the more important factor is that dog that you fell in love with that you absolutely can't wait to make part of your life. I'm so excited. Uh, You are going to be an incredible dog owner. I can tell all the prep that you've done, your sense of humor, you're very light and like lively. This dog is going to love you. So lots of, uh, lots of uh, wonderful adventures in your future yet. Were there other questions on your list? Let me just quickly double check. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're, you know, crazy girl in her list. Absolutely. There's so many good things to get mm-hmm. prepared with ahead of time. So it's not a bad thing at all that you're a crazy girl with a list. <laughs> well, and I feel like a lot of these will probably be dealt with later. Oh, uh, how do we feel about daycares and puppy parks? Again, oh, that's a great way, question. Like, way too many 
Yeah. I am so happy that you asked that actually, because that is a really good question. And it's a bit of a pitfall that people will fall down sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly warning people against Mm -hmm. the leash-free parks and the daycare situations. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So with leash-free parks, especially this is not something that we ever recommend anybody goes to. And I've actually written an article about the dangers of leash-free parks. That is, it is biased because of our experience, Mm. of course. However, it also maps out some ways that if this is the only option that you have in your life, there are some ways that you can use a leash-free park in a little bit of a safer venue than if you just, you know, walk in, let the dog off leash and let it go and play with other dogs. So um, I also have another article that I've written called uh, the problem with dog-to-dog socialization or the problem with dog-to-dog play rather and it talks about how much people become obsessed with wanting their dogs to play and this my dog is friendly versus my dog is not friendly qualification that people Mm. tend to really want to cling to and of course um, I always attribute that to being human and in in human language we we tend to say oh that that person is like this and this person is like that and that's sort of the label they get and then they're they're stuck with that forever with dogs they tend to age out of the desire to play, play, play ad nauseum with other dogs. So they'll become more selective as they get older and it it typically will lead to problems if you have a dog who is constantly being forced into social situations as they grow and as they develop, you'll start to see that change. And sometimes it changes for the worst, of course. Mm. So in reality, you are so much better off. And as an introvert, you'll probably um, you'll probably relate to this because I do very much so. <laughs> I would never be comfortable running up to a person on the street and grabbing them and hugging them, or you know, some stranger that I've never met becoming my my new butt sniffing buddy. Yeah, not sure that I would do that, anyways. But you know. <laughs> In the interest of a, a giggle on the podcast, I think that worked very well. So we do, we often will think that dogs need to investigate, meet, play with every other mm-hmm. dog that they meet, and that actually puts a lot of pressure on our dogs. Right. When you have a young, you know, lab golden retriever puppy that is super gregarious and wants to play with everyone and everything, it sort of convinces our mind that that's what they want. But then we forget about the development period and we forget about how they would differentiate from litter mates, et cetera, as they get older. And it does become that that um, overly heavy pressure for them to interact with every dog. So I will tell you with my own dogs, they have two or three friends that are, I know they're good dogs. I know they're vaccinated. I know that they're well cared for and well trained. And I know that my puppy or my dog is not going to be in danger playing with those dogs. And I also know that my dog has a similar play style to that dog because I vetted it a little bit. And I know it's going to be a good interaction when those two get together to play or when that, you know, select group gets together and play. But in terms of strangers dogs, in Mm -hmm. terms of walking down the street or going to a park that would be full of dogs yeah. I just don't do it you know I I want to make sure that as my dog's caretakers I'm not putting them in a position where they might get into a nasty altercation or they might get overwhelmed you know a lot of the times people will want dogs to greet other dogs on the street etc you just never know what that other dog is yeah. going to be thinking or feeling and we have such a collection, the length of my arm, of stories of people who said, but he said the dog was friendly or she said the dog was friendly. And, you know, whether people are embarrassed or likely to fib a little bit or they just don't recognize what they're seeing, 
it's not a good position to put your dog in. Right. So as I'm walking down the street, when people say, oh, my dog's friendly, I just say, thanks, mine's not. And off to the other side of the street I go. Mm-hmm. I just never take the chance. Yeah. So, And it would be the same thing for me with a leash-free park. Daycares can be a little bit better because at least there's somebody monitoring the play and do make sure if you do go to if you do go to a daycare do make sure that the people have good enough credentials that they should be doing what they're doing you know we've heard stories of like there was a 12 year old girl monitoring a play session in one situation and you know is she physically strong enough even to be able to take care of a fight if something if something erupts and dogs are dogs you know they have they have a tendency sometimes to solve problems with their teeth especially if they're in an interaction with another dog and some of the daycares out there don't allow the dog to have good downtime and it can get very stressful for the dog if they're constantly being put upon by other dogs etc so if you do decide to go with a daycare which we we don't we don't recommend the yeah. traditional use of daycares. If you do decide to go with a daycare, make sure you do some research into it so that you know it's the right daycare mm. to keep things good for yeah. for your puppy. So basically with daycares, what it ends up being is this free-for-all for playing. I was literally going to say free-for-all. Yeah. creeping me out. <laughs> I've been reading your mind this whole uh, time. Wow. <laughs> this whole time. So yeah, with um with that free for all there comes this excitement about other dogs and this mm-hmm. overstimulation with other dogs. So then that starts to transfer to other areas of your life where you're going for a nice right. walk down the city street and another dog comes around the corner and now and all of a playtime. sudden, yeah, and Kalani is going to be Kalani, right? Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Kilani. Um, (laughs) We'll be up on her back feet and trying to lunge to get to the other dog and frustrated that this leash is holding her back. And Mm. sometimes that can actually lead to some reactivity. So oftentimes people will go really strong on the play and socialization element and then forget about the manners element. So it's always about finding balance. It's always about making sure that you have this wonderful situation where your dog feels safe Mm. and they feel confident to walk past another dog without having to say hello and without having to interrupt and even if that's from across the street Mm. that they do that it's still it's a much nicer way to have your dogs in interact without interacting with other dogs that they see out there in the world because inevitably you're going to come across other dogs Mm -hmm. and you want her to be comfortable with the idea of passing without having to say hello to that dog and I guess this would bring me to another question. Sure. Um, my niece has these two lovely dogs, uh, a, an older chocolate lab. Okay. Winchester. Aww. <laughs> and then um, he's a mix of something. I think he's a mixed lab, black lab and something else. But he's more of a puppy. Um, but she is just like dying for me to get Kilani because she wants to introduce her to her cousins. Okay. Um how how do I do that? This is a brilliant in, question. In a way that like won't derail us, yeah. won't derail her, won't derail them. Like Yeah. So first off, did you say that the dog how old did you say the dog was? Winchester, I think, is oh my gosh. He's like nine ish. Nine, okay. And then um Shank, I think, is maybe Shank. a year. <laughs> That's a cute name. Yeah, okay. So cute. Okay. So in all likelihood, 
Winchester could very well be overwhelmed by the puppy because puppies are a lot. And when you bring Kalani home and you're dealing with the puppy teeth and things like that, you're going to realize that, okay, puppies can be a lot. Like there's a lot of needles that are, that are getting on my skin right now, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And of course we'll help you work through that. (laughs) It's definitely doable. Definitely something you can work through. Um, But it is going to be something that is part of her makeup in all likelihood. Mm -hmm. I've had, four sporting breeds now and most of them have been very very mouthy and very late they like to use their mouths it's natural for them to use their mouths so we teach them that in a human world it's not it's an inappropriate behavior and we give them alternative alternative behaviors and we give them understanding that it's mm-hmm. not appropriate but a lot of the times what happens with a slightly older dog is yeah. they give what's called a puppy pass until the puppy is somewhere around 12 weeks of age and this is not a hard and fast rule. Some dogs will give zero puppy pass and mm-hmm. will just put a puppy down. But in a perfect world, you don't, you want them to have a nice relationship. So yeah. you don't want Kalani to be, oh, oops, that was a wayward dog jumping through the studio, banging the mic. It happens all the time around here. I keep telling them to keep the dogs crated. <laughs> As always me smacking the mic. So basically what you want is to be able to have this nice relationship between the two. So you don't want Winchester to get overwhelmed by the puppy teeth and be trying really hard. And sometimes our well-trained dogs especially will try really, really hard to be tolerant until they can't be tolerant anymore. And then it becomes a resentful situation or it becomes a situation where the older dog actually potentially could hurt the puppy. Mm. And of course the puppy is just being a puppy. Mm -hmm. So in a perfect world, we're very careful to advocate for our older dogs. And I always tell this to students when they're bringing a puppy in, the older dog did not ask for that puppy and very well may not want that puppy around. So do be very careful with that interaction. You know, Kalani may very well... Did I say that right? It's like Keelani. Keelani. I'm sorry. Every time I say it, I second guess it. So (laughs) Keelani may very well come in and may be like the sweetest and most docile puppy to play with. And they might be a dream. Mm -hmm. But in all likelihood with a puppy, Keelani is going to be grabbing ears and tails and those needle teeth hurt. (laughs) Whether we have a layer of fur on us or not. So you want to be very careful to advocate Mm -hmm. for the older dog. And if the interaction is not going well, then it is best to cut it short and not try to force it. So a lot of times people will say, oh, you know what? Be nice to the puppy. Be nice to the puppy. Or, oh, she's got to learn. I'll let the older dog tell her off. Mm. It is not the older dog's responsibility. So that's going to fall on you to say, hey, Keelani, that's not appropriate. You're not allowed to be chewing on Winchester's ears to the point where he's screaming and trying to run sort of thing. So it's possible that shank might be a nice playmate for Mm -hmm. kilani entirely possible that as a young dog they might get along much better the one-year-old may have still those puppy tendencies and that might be a great relationship Mm -hmm. again it's something that you want to use a little bit of caution before you let them interact together and keep in mind as well that it's also a fairly unnatural thing for one dog to go into another dog's space So a lot of the times when we go visiting and we bring our dogs, we expect the dogs to be fine and accept one another. And that's not necessarily realistic. Some dogs are just, you know, good old dogs that are going to be okay with anything. And some dogs are going to be extremely offended to have another dog or another puppy in their area. It's their home. It's their territory. Exactly. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe I was actually a dog in a past life. But I feel <laughs> like this is how I am. I was like, get out of my space. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so in a perfect world, you can meet somewhere on sort of neutral territory yeah. and take a walk together. And okay. Kalani won't... Kilani, sorry, okay. probably won't have great skills at that point. So yeah. you'll want to keep this, the walk short and just basically give an opportunity for them to exist in a similar space without interacting with each other. Mm. And then when you actually get into the house and they and you're going to allow them to share space inside the house, first make sure that the other dogs are okay with it. You know, mm-hmm. when you bring Kilani in, they're not panicking because there's this new puppy in their space. Right. And the first thing that I would do is not just let them go play. The first mm-hmm. thing I would do is take that opportunity to work some response to name with Kilani mm-hmm. and to work on, you know, maybe some luring or some tricks, something simple. What this does is it reinforces your engagement with mm-hmm. the puppy because ultimately the puppy is coming home to spend time with you. So mm-hmm. you don't want um, you don't want engagement with other dogs to to surpass your relationship with the puppy. You right. want you want her to want to engage with you and want to pick you over any other dog. So, yeah. and any other person and all that, you know, it's good for our egos. It's it is. good for our egos, but it's also good for the puppies as yeah, well because good. then every time they see another dog, they don't automatically go to I get to play with that. Right. That's, you know, wherever I am or wherever I see that dog, that's my next activity is to play. If you set the tone with some other things, you know, some response to names, some engagement games with you, tricks, play, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then once Kilani has sort of settled a little bit, you can one at a time with the other dogs, give her permission to, okay, go play. Mm-hmm. And I would always keep a house line on so you can go in and regain control. And in a perfect world, yeah. I always make sure that this dog that my puppy is playing with is a dog that can be called off if something goes wrong. Because right. with the puppy, you may or may not be ready to be, to call them out of a play session yet. But ideally, the older dog can be stopped. Okay. All okay. Right. No, very good to know. And then I would allow short periods of play. So little short periods of play and then work some response to name out of the play, work some settle by it will um as you get into the programs we'll be talking about collar holds and things like that to build calm so you'll be able to call her out work some settle work some tricks work some engagement with you and then once you have gotten her attention back and you've sort of brought the energy down a little bit you can give her a chance to go play again okay go play and let her go and have a little romp and they'll have lots of fun i think a pretty big mistake that people inadvertently make when they're looking at play sessions with other dogs or other puppies is they think that it needs to be this big long play session and that actually will work against you with a puppy because it leads to overstimulation very Mm -hmm. quickly and then it can lead to feelings of frustration in that play or it can lead to play that's not necessarily as nice so a nice short little play session and i would say like 45 seconds to a minute is a really lengthy lengthy play session without an interruption. So anything longer than that, and you start to risk getting into that overstimulation mm-hmm. mode. So I do a lot of breaks and a lot of little play sessions so that the nice. pup can get the benefit of that play yeah. and have fun and have a buddy, but it's not getting over the top and out of control. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I would have never thought that. Cause, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
All I know is like dogs, okay, go have fun. Bye. Absolutely. Well, and then you get to, you sit there and you watch them and you have so much fun watching them yeah. that you forget that it's been going on for this long period of time already yeah. and whatnot. So oh, that's such valuable information. Awesome. I'm Love so it. glad. I'm so glad. And yet pick her playmates wisely. Yeah. She doesn't need to be friends with every dog out there that she meets. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't need to have these like intense social interactions with big groups. You will get amazing socialization. People are often really concerned about the socialization thing and making sure that they meet enough people and they meet enough you know dogs and they always remember when you're thinking socialization that it's about it's about observation and it's about the experience it's not necessarily about interaction so you going to PetSmart, for example and popping the hatch of the car with her in the crate and letting her observe dogs walking by and each time a dog walks by you say oh you're so smart and give her a little cookie through Mm -hmm. the crate that is incredible socialization for her because basically it says first off if you focus on me when there's distractions like that the world is your oyster and second off it gives you an opportunity to see this dog out here and know that nothing bad can possibly happen to you and something pleasant happens as well. Mm, okay. And you can okay. do the same thing with people. I will often do this where, you know, here's my, here's my introvert personality. <laughs> Feed the people. Sorry, that's all I can think of. I was like, so I can put my brother in a cage. I'm giving out chocolate and wine. <laughs> Chocolate and wine. Here you go. If only. Oh my gosh. You can socialize me any day with those parameters. I'll tell you. Maybe I could use some socialization. I don't know. Come on over, girl. I got you. So that will be completely brilliant socialization and it will fulfill all the needs that you have with socialization. Mm -hmm. That with some like some good setup play sessions and the idea that nothing bad is going to happen with any of these things because you vetted and you've made sure and you've double checked Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a good interaction and a fun one for everybody involved that is going to be great socialization for you yay (laughs) or for the puppy for the puppy i should say not for you yeah it'll be good socialization for you too though (laughs) get me out of my introversion okay i have another like random random question i'd love to hear it so over the weekend i went to um an event for veterans and everyday heroes okay my brother um does some work with them and they had comedy for the dogs this weekend oh my gosh um I like side note have not laughed until I cried in such a long time (laughs) and I was just bawling. So basically um, they were raising money for service dogs and they had uh, all of these, you know, lovely little things that you could bid on. And of course I went straight for the like puppy stuff and I was like, okay, and just like writing it all, you know, all my bids down. And I ended up winning um, like this random toy that has a toy within a toy or something. Okay. But I also ended up with like a coat. Oh, okay. Like a dog coat. Like a dog coat. Okay. And so I've heard mixed reviews about, <laughs> you know, yeah, you want to keep your dog warm in the winter and stuff like that. But, you know, you also don't want to mess with what their fur is naturally doing. And so my questions are coats and booties. Sure. Sure. Happy to help. <laughs> So a lot depends on breed and what their cold tolerance is like. So for example, with my tollers, I've never, ever resorted to a coat. They Mm -hmm. have a very thick double coat. Their undercoat is very insulating. 
And every single one of my tollers has been more than willing to break through the ice and go swimming in the middle of winter if the opportunity presents itself for them. So they are extremely cold tolerant. Ned actually comes alive when it is cold. So, you know, with... um, with a lab and a golden retriever mix, chances are that coat is going to take excellent care of the dog. Okay. Now, in days like our minus 21 that we just had over this weekend, mm-hmm. which was, you know, delightful. <laughs> oh my goodness, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I could not get to Sunday fast enough when it <laughs> went back to zero degrees. It was so nice to be back out in the yeah. trail because for the minus 21, I do use an abundance of caution. And um, Ned is incredibly tough. It takes a lot for him to be out in the snow and start picking up his feet as if they're, you know, they're a little bit um, out, owie yeah. from the snow. Yeah. But in minus 15 to minus 20, that will start to be a concern and it'll start to be a factor. So those might be the times where, you know, if you don't have an indoor space that you can help them burn off some steam, et cetera, if you're walking in areas where there's tons of salt, that can often be rough on the feet. So that might be a good opportunity for booties. But for the most part, unless there's extenuating circumstances, I don't bother with sporting breeds because they are so cold tolerant. That's what I thought. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like they're kind of, they're built in yeah. mechanisms, right? So. Absolutely. If you were getting like a, a pointer or something with a really close coat, you might take a different approach to yeah. it. Some of the dogs that don't have incredibly hardy coats that aren't bred for the weather, like these dogs are bred to be outside retrieving in cold waters all the time. Yeah. You know, labs especially have this like brick-like appearance to them at times because that helps to insulate them and keep them warm in the cold water, etc. And then, of course, they get out of the water and their coats just shed the water. So the undercoat is actually still dry. It amazes me when when my dogs go swimming and they come out and they shake and they're dry one second later. I think like that is a purpose-built coat. I wish I could do that. I know, right? (laughs) And of course, they always look perfect. They shake and then they look perfect. There's nothing. Gorgeous specimens. (laughs) Exactly. How how many hours do I spend straightening my hair? (laughs) Just so I don't look insane. For not- me, it's covering the under eye baggage. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I can do yeah. this. Oh my goodness. If only, if only yeah, we know, could. Right? But yeah, they're pretty, um, I think you're probably going to find that Kilani is going to be pretty weather resistant cool. and whether it's rain, snow, it might change a little bit once you spay her. Mm-hmm. The, it does make changes in the coat for sure. Um, it might make her coat explode a little bit more. She might end up shedding a little bit more. She might end up with a lot more undercoat, but in all likelihood, she will still be pretty hardy for that weather. Um, once she gets to a little bit of an older age, you know, like the senior years, you might yeah. reconsider the coat at that point just because they don't have the muscle and the and the heft to them to keep them warm as much anymore. Yeah. But for the most part, I think our sporting breeds can handle the weather very, very well. And, nice. you know, as long as we don't get into these minus 21s. I know. Can we just not? <laughs> I know. Let's just like flow into spring. I'm good for it now. Absolutely. I am with you. I could go to sleep now and hibernate for a couple of months and wake up and be like, oh, why is hibernation not an option? (laughs) Exactly. It's not even fair. Right. Why don't we shut down for these four months? (laughs) At least the darkest days. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I know. (laughs) So going along with the coats, I guess I just had another. Sure. Which is probably most people out there are probably going, girl, you really are a virgin. Um. I mean, obviously, when they're dirty, you want to, like, clean them. But, like, 
is there like a set rule on how much is too much and how little is too little? This is another like, great question. I don't want to like ruin her coat. I yeah. don't want to hurt her skin. Like, yeah, absolutely. Great question. So keeping in mind that dogs naturally will keep themselves a little bit clean with things mm-hmm. and with her coat as well, with my own tollers, they're so wash and wear. Like they, if they come in the house and they're caked with mud mm-hmm. after a couple of hours, it's on the floor instead and they look like they've never seen mud in their lives like their coats are built for that too so yeah so you can probably rely on that as well and keep in mind that you know coming in the house full of mud (laughs) is gonna be part of your life now vacuums everywhere absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. but as a general rule you want to not bathe them too frequently because you're right it does strip the oils out of their coat so i tend to do it when i need to do it Mm. and if you find that in the summer for example she's probably going to love swimming so sometimes that will help to clean the coat a little bit sometimes it'll help to make the coat a little bit more stinky so you'll have to play it by ear some Mm -hmm. of that depends on what she's eating as well some different foods will make coats smelly versus not smelly etc so you'll have to see what sort of agrees with her the most i would say as a rule you know every few months already Mm. is pushing it a little bit okay so a couple of times a year i'll give them a good bath um i do brush very consistently and very regularly will be a thing yes and that will keep you from destroying vacuum after vacuum after vacuum as well because the weeks that i get busy and i don't i don't end up brushing at least twice a week if i can stay on top of it at least twice a week with the toller coat i prevent the toller hair tumbleweeds that you see rolling across the floor but if i miss that interim brushing through Mm -hmm. the week or heaven forbid if i miss two brushings in a week my everything is coated in dog hair and it looks like i haven't cleaned my house in a year like intense yes exactly (laughs) magical fibers of joy (laughs) don't judge my house oh my goodness you are in for such a treat nancy i think that you're gonna have a blast your personality is just wonderful and you are going to enjoy this puppy so much and i want to thank you so much again for coming on the podcast with us we have lots more really fun things to talk about but we are going to do that another time so on that note i'm instructor shannon i'm nancy and happy training